Hello and welcome to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm Joshua Doby, your host for the hour. Thank you so much for tuning in with us here to this week's version of Dollars and Cents. Again, presented by North Main Financial, where we're giving attention to all things economic and financial. Now, you know, as a previous listener to Dollars and Cents, we're talking on a number of different things. We're going to be talking about specific companies. I'll tell you in advance here, we're on the tail end of earnings season. So we're going to be talking about some, uh, some, some specific companies here. But always in doing so, please remember that nothing that we're talking about here is intended as a specific recommendation for you, meaning we strongly, strongly recommend you reach out to your tax advisor to your financial advisor, or if you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial, love to hear from you, love to chat about your particular financial journey and to see if there are ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you. Online, you can find us at northmainfinancial.com. That's north like the direction, main like the street, financial.com, northmainfinancial.com. Again, we have a contact page on there. Leave us an email. Leave us a phone number. Let us know your most preferred ways for us to contact you, again, at northmainfinancial.com. Well, again, thank you so much for hanging with us for this week's version of Dollars and Cents. As I mentioned, my name is Joshua Doby. I'm a certified financial planner or CFP professional. And format-wise, I really can't call it the new format anymore. I mean, we're kind of ingrained here, right? Thursdays at 4 o'clock, uh, really enjoying this space, really enjoying the uh, the new format. They, they've even allowed us to have a little bit more time here at WSIC. I'm, I'm thrilled about it. Uh, I'm hoping that continues to last. I think it will. I haven't heard too much bad feedback yet. Maybe they're saving it for me. We'll wait and see. But until then, uh, we're enjoying uh, our hour with you here. And again, I appreciate so much you taking the time. Well, you know, as a previous listener, first segment, here, first uh, first quarter of our time together, we'd like to talk about what's hot. Now, if we're talking about what's hot, we can certainly talk about the weather. If you're here in North Carolina, uh, we are uh, in the middle of, of a very steamy August here. But now we're not talking about that. And unfortunately, if you were waiting there with bated breath, uh, also if you're looking for the hot stock tips, I'm not your guy either. I'm, I'm just I'm a singles guy and and not a home run guy. First baseball reference there. We're gonna have a whole lot of them. You'll figure that out as uh, as, as a listener here. But uh, we're looking to hit singles, so definitely not the hot stock tip. But but definitely. Things that are on your radar screen, uh, things that are on your headlines, kind of things that you may be seeing online, things that certainly dot the news. And if you pay attention to business news with any regularity, you're going to recognize some of the things that uh, that I'm going to be talking about here. So let's jump in. What's hot? A big one, and it, it may not be on your immediate sort of uh, radar screen, but I'll tell you, I am sure that some of the things that are in your home and that you wear on your back or that you drive on the roads uh, have had some impact from this company, and that is the company Yellow Truck. And literally, it was called Yellow Truck. It had gone through several different iterations, including a whole slew of acquisitions. Unfortunately, they declared bankruptcy. And uh, now, they, they had been let's say, floundering uh, for quite some time. So this wasn't completely um, unexpected by the market. But uh, but definitely once they got to a space where they needed to declare formal bankruptcy, big deal. Big deal. Uh, it, you may remember, again, if you follow these kinds of things, you may not. I do. I get excited about this kind of stuff. But they had acquired uh, another, their main rival, actually, at the time, Roadway uh, Trucking here several years ago. And uh, a huge acquisition for them and, and certainly gave them a lot more possibility for uh, for additional business, but in doing so, they also took on a lot of debt. 
And it was really that debt uh, combined with uh, some drop off in business, which really uh, was the end as far as an ongoing concern for yellow trucks. So not not exactly a, a blissful and happy way to start there. But again, it, when we're looking at things financial, economic that are happening around us, big deal. And so, uh, so yellow truck unfortunately had to declare bankruptcy. But but because it wasn't uh, unexpected, a lot of the business was starting to find other carriers, and of course, the other carriers uh, have been more than aware of of yellow trucks uh, uh, challenges, and uh, and certainly have been looking at opportunities to secure some of their clients. So I uh, know that's uh, that's definitely going on. So all right, let's get to something a little bit more a little bit more lighthearted uh, in terms of what's happening around us here, because I do have some other stuff. It's not all that great, but we'll talk about it in a minute. Walmart. Who doesn't know Walmart? Now, again, uh, we're not talking about a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold. Not saying it's a good investment, bad investment, or anything in between. But uh, but only because Walmart, I mean, it has to be from a brand recognition standpoint. I don't know this, but there are people who, who actually track this kind of data. From a brand recognition standpoint, it's got to be up there with the biggest and brightest. And when I think biggest and brightest, I'm thinking things like Coca-Cola. Uh, I'm thinking things like uh, what would be a Crest toothpaste, um, good, uh, good thin, uh, pizza. No, that's not, that's, that's probably, that's, that's just me being hungry, uh, late in the afternoon. No, that, but there are a number of brands that are out there that the New York Yankees, I'm not a Yankees fan either, but there's certainly a very, uh, ubiquitous kind of, uh, uh, kind of now. And so things that a lot of people know, got to put Walmart in that category, I think. So, and so that's one of the reasons why I'm raising it. They just had their quarterly earnings announced earlier today, as of the time of this live broadcast, or if you happen to be listening to the recording or podcast here, and the numbers were, I would call them encouraging. Uh, for every company that has the, a publicly traded company that reports their earnings on a quarterly basis, there are estimates made by the street or by Wall Street, and uh, and there are some indications given by the company, and then there's the, the quarterly announcement of their earnings. So Wal- uh, Walmart uh, this morning exceeded what was the general general consensus on Wall Street about what both their top line revenue was and their earnings per share. So I would count that as a positive kind of thing. Also, when you add to that, their forward-looking guidance in terms of what they expect for the balance of their fiscal year, so looking ahead here several quarters, was quite positive. Actually, they raised guidance from what they had done previously or what they had indicated uh, previously. So Walmart coming out and saying that the consumer is strong, meaning the overall consumer is strong. They especially noted some some significant uh, significant growth in in the grocery and online end of things, meaning that Walmart has, I think it's in their super centers or what they're called. That they have a, basically a full grocery store in addition to the quote normal uh, end of Walmart. So huge, huge properties that um, they indicated that they had some significant growth there, and uh, and also in online sales, meaning those kinds of sales uh, almost Amazon like. I got to use Amazon as a as, a, as an adjective uh, here, and uh, and I, that's as it makes me think of the word of the day. I didn't hear the word of the day yet. A good morning, LKN. I'm gonna have to ask producer Bill. Uh, what that is to make sure we can integrate it here on dollars and cents, but um, but certainly Amazon-like in terms of the online sale process with uh, with Walmart. So we saw some very positive things. Now, again, the reason why I'm raising that is because Walmart arguably is is uh, is some level of barometer for how we, the American consumer, are doing. 
Uh, it's not the only one, certainly, but it is a big one. It's a noteworthy one. You've heard me say on previous uh, previous versions of dollars and cents that in terms of our gross domestic product, our GDP, it is roughly two-thirds to three-quarters determined by consumer spending, meaning that, it, that a significant portion of the growth element for us as a country is a function of how we, the individual, and also commercial, large corporate uh, consumers spend or how, how we uh, use our capital for, uh, for what we do. So I, I think that's, a, that's an important kind of thing for us to keep in mind. I think it's important for us to, to be aware of it. Like I said, not making a recommendation to buy, sell, hold, or otherwise, but, uh, but I think it's important for us to keep in mind. So, so when we're looking at that then, and we're looking at it in the context of what's happening to us economically right now, and this is, we're going to talk about this in the second segment, a little bit of a teaser there. We're trying to put that together with some of the other data that we're seeing. And as always, there's some positive, there's some negative, there's some things that, uh, frankly, at this point, I'm, I'm a little bit confused about. I'm going to share it with you. I try to be as upfront as possible and letting you know the things that, uh, that make sense to me. And then there are things sometimes that don't make much sense uh, to me when we're talking about what's happening in the markets around us. But we're going to be talking about that in the second segment here. Also going to talk about some of the things that are probably high on your radar screen. So when we're looking at things like mortgages, when we're looking at things like interest rates, uh, that definitely have an impact in terms of how we spend our money and where that capital is allocated. It's a very, very big deal. So make sure that you stay with us here. We're going to take some time to hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Dollars and Cents here on North Main Financial. Hello, and welcome back to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second segment here. And as we were going to, to commercial there on the first segment, I gave you a little bit of tease. We're going to be talking about some things that are out there in terms of interest rates and mortgages. We're, we're going to do that. I, I got to tell you first, though, I, I can't believe among the the possibilities for just all-known uh, brands that I forgot McDonald's, uh, especially when McDonald's, I'm, I'm pretty sure, was one of the integral ways for me to survive childhood. So, uh, that I, so thank, thank you, Justin, for uh, reminding me about that. And he, and he always does so in a nice way, too, as opposed to saying, hey, idiot. Uh, that, <laughs> how could you forget? I, all right, so McDonald's, up there with Walmart in terms of those kinds of brands, which are, uh, which are very nearly universal. But, uh, but encouraging. Encouraging data that, that we saw from Walmart. And again, I don't like to, you know, as, as a previous listener to Dollars and Cents, I don't like to hyper-focus on singular data points or to make singular uh, touch points and to uh, call them trends. I really try not to do that. But it'd be hard to argue that for the number of people who go to Walmart and use Walmart, either in person or online in some capacity, it'd be hard to say that they're unimportant. Certainly. And so, uh, so that's why I was raising that as something to consider here. So let's, uh, let's pivot a little bit, you know, as we talk about what's hot, I'm going to include this in what's hot. It's, it's significant. And, uh, and if, if you took a look at some of the business news from this morning, we're hit, we hit a, we hit a 30 year, three decade high, uh, on the, uh, on the 10 year treasury. Now, not terribly impactful in terms of the day-to-day -day kind of thing until I tell you what's next. Uh, we also hit a, uh, a significant high, multi-decade high here. Actually, excuse me, about 15 years. It was 2008. And uh, in terms of mortgage rates, 30-year fixed mortgage now north of 7, well north of 7%. So definitely something to keep in mind. I know the Federal Reserve is, is obviously going to have that data point and a whole collection of others and their algorithm of thinking about if they're going to continue to uh, to raise rates. 
you know, one of the challenging points, I'm going to insert another another data point here that literally was announced this morning by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Uh, it, it, the challenging part is that there are other indications in the economy, which frankly are very, very positive. Let me use one from this morning. Uh, you hear me talk a lot about the unemployment rate. Now, unemployment, not exactly a pleasant thing to think about, but, uh, but from a pure academic standpoint, very important for us to keep it in mind. And when we're looking at it in terms of what its impact is for uh, for our economy, uh, I don't think that's intuitive. You probably can understand that very, very well. We came out with unemployment figures. We get them on a weekly basis, literally, and, and they're retroactive. So they're looking behind us, and there are adjustments and, and tweaks to data because they're all estimates, right? Uh, we're literally not counting every single person. We're doing projections based upon data we receive, uh, or the Bureau of Labor's Bureau of Labor Statistics receives from a number of different sources. About 230, 230,000, uh, which sounds like a lot, except that's very, quote, normal uh, for new claims, 230-ish thousand new claims, 1.7-ish million uh, on continuing claim, meaning those folks who have been on unemployment benefits for, uh, for longer than a week. Now, I know those sound like huge numbers until you look at us as a country, uh, r relatively speaking, and those are actually very normal. On top of that, we still have an overall unemployment rate below 4%. And, and that's a good thing in some regards, but it also means, and again, I'm speaking about this very academically, not saying that folks shouldn't have jobs, but uh, but saying it from the standpoint that one of the things, you heard me talk about this, I know, uh, so I, I got to tell you where I'm wrong, right? I, I'd like to certainly like to crow about the things where I'm correct, so I'm going to tell you what I'm wrong, too. Uh, I had said that I expected a year ago, as, as the Federal Reserve was raising rates, that we were going to see some notable uptick in unemployment. You can go back, listen to the old podcast. I promise you I said it. And uh, because historically speaking, especially with the speed at which the Federal Reserve was and is raising rates, you're going to have an uptick in unemployment. Just think about it this way. Uptick in rates means it's generally speaking more expensive for a lot of companies to do business. Their primary expense, most business primary expense is their human capital, meaning that the folks that they employ, one of the easiest ways to, uh, to cut back on that expense is to lay folks off, to stop hiring, to slow hiring, whatever that may be. And so almost always, and I do especially now have to say almost always, almost always, you see notable upticks in unemployment as you're moving through a space of higher inflation and an aggressive interest rate raising policy like the Federal Reserve has. Folks, we haven't had it. Not even close. As a matter of fact, you, you can make an argument that, I mean, this gets a little bit granular uh, in terms of the analysis of it. You can make a, a, a cogent argument on the data points that really hasn't moved much at all. We still are significantly below uh, what would be considered to be, for an economy of our size, full. And I put quotes around that, full employment, which is right around 5%, give or take. And, uh, and so that's being below four. That, that means basically that everybody who wants a job can get one. May not be the ideal job, but if, it's, if you want a job, it definitely is available out there. One other data point corollary to that, about 6 million, at least as we identify by folks who um, post for those things publicly, about 6 million open jobs more than folks who are looking for them. Huge deal. And that, that, that obviously covers the whole, the whole bracket of, uh, of possibilities there in terms of what's being advertised for a, a job. But 
just on the raw data alone. So don't even don't even believe six million. Believe three, half that. If you believe one quarter of that, uh, I got to do the math quickly in my head. Uh, next time I got to no, I know it. One, one and a half million, still a, a gargantuan number of of job openings beyond the folks who are or at least out there looking for them and perhaps wanting to fill them. Big deal. Big deal when we're looking at it. So, so what, what does all that mean? Well, that's a little bit of a teaser. I'm going to talk about that in the fourth segment today. I want you to hang around as we're talking about what's happening around us here. But a couple of things, a couple of big items that are on my radar screen I want to share with you here. So we're talking about mortgages being at a three-year high. We talk about interest rates, excuse me, a three-decade high. We're talking about interest rates uh, at, at a multi-decade kind of high. And, and so we're going to have to watch and see what what the Federal Reserve is going to do. Frankly, I don't know. I mean, the Federal Reserve probably doesn't know because we get a lot of questions about whether we think that there's going to be a continued increase in uh, in interest rates. I was actually talking with somebody who's in the real estate business, and uh, they are on the financing side of things, and they were talking about how they at least have to plan for the possibility of a 10% mortgage. Now, uh, is that going to happen? I have no idea. Really don't. Uh, it, it doesn't seem likely at this point, but they're needing to plan internally for that kind of thing. And then specifically what he was talking about is how that may or may not affect demand in real estate. So will things cool down in the real estate market in so many of our of our hot markets because of, uh, of mortgage rates, which continue to rise, as I mentioned, uh, the 30-year uh, fixed mortgage here at a multi-decade kind of high. It, it seems hard to imagine because on the other side of things, and I'm I'm not a real estate expert, so this is more observational. Uh, we do have folks on here, Justin, you hear him on Good Morning LKN and on his uh, his afternoon show as well. He's an expert in the uh, in the real estate end of things. He would speak much more elegantly than what I'm saying here. But, uh, but when we're looking at, generally speaking, uh, where we, let's just use our Lake Norman region. So where I'm broadcasting here in North Carolina, the, the challenge is that as even as demand has been dampened some by interest rates, the supply is so low. So we're seeing prices that, that continue to be very strong. Now, does that happen forever? No. Things are cyclical. Things move in cycles. But those cycles can be short. They can be long. They can be very deep. They can be very shallow. So what does that mean in terms of adjustment to demand? Again, as I was talking with this other gentleman, talking about the financing end of things on, on real estate, don't know. It's been very resilient to this point. I, frankly, it's been surprising. I, I Again, if you'd asked me a year ago, and I think I probably said on, on a previous version of Dollars and Cents, I expected, a little bit like I expected the uh, the unemployment rate to rise, expected we'd have some cooling off in, in our real estate markets. And there are pockets around the country, as there always are, where certainly I think that's the case, whether it's you know residential homes staying uh, longer on market or whether there aren't as many over-the-asking-price sorts of bidding wars going on as there was, say, a year and a half ago when uh, when those two years ago, and those things seemed almost commonplace uh, for that kind of thing. But I still would have expected, and I'm sure that I said, that uh, that I expected some cooling off in uh, in the real estate end of things. Again, it definitely is happening in pockets, but uh, but but you look across the board, I'll, I'll use Charlotte. If you drive it all in, in, in Charlotte, it seems pretty much like any open grass of any kind. Uh, if they got four or five blades together, <laughs> there's somebody who's ready to put a shovel in the ground and uh, and to build. It, I mean, it's amazing the number of apartments, condominiums uh, that are being built. And then as you stretch a little further out, the single family homes, that, I mean, it, it is amazing. And, and it's it's kind of interesting uh, just because obviously it's much more expensive to uh, to build now. So the, the prices are, are much higher. If they are rental units like apartments, the rental rates are much higher. 
how long does that go? How long do we stay in that space? What does it look like when things begin to, you know, when supply begins to get a little closer to demand? And, uh, and those are the kinds of things that we're watching here very closely on dollars and cents, because obviously for, for housing, for most folks, housing is their single largest expense in a monthly budget. Very, very common. Whether it's mortgage, whether it's rent, it usually, uh, I shouldn't say that, for many folks, it is the single largest expense on a monthly basis. So it's definitely higher on our radar screen because there are going to be uh, ramifications of any cool down or any slowdown in the real estate end of things. And we want to make sure we're getting that data out there to you as quickly as possible. But I tell you folks, haven't seen it yet. It's amazing, the resiliency. And to talk to realtors, uh, especially in the, here in our Lake Norman region, and talk to them about what's going on, finance folks or developers, whew, I mean, the, 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 the demand is intense and the demand definitely exceeds supply. So we're seeing some pretty significant resiliency to this point uh, in, uh, in a lot of the pricing. Not all things in all places. So I'm talking on the residential side of things. Not all things in all places, but um, and some, some weakness that we're starting to see on the commercial end of things, but only in pockets. I mean, definitely can't say it across the board because as soon as I say, you know, things are beginning to take a breather a little bit, somebody brings me some instance where there's been a bidding war again for uh, for a particular piece of real estate. I mean, it's it's definitely out there. Lots of cash buyers too, which definitely keeps those prices high. If they're not needing to worry about financing or the cost of capital to uh, to, to make the purchase, definitely moves the market uh, very very quickly. So uh, so those are the kinds of things that we're watching. Those are the kinds of things when we're looking at what's happening. Be the interest rates, mortgage rates, real estate movement. Uh, don't worry, I'm going to talk stocks and bonds here in, in, in a little bit, but I wanted to spend a little bit of time on this because it definitely has a huge impact, not only in terms of what we're observing, but also in terms of our experience month to month. Hang with us here. We're going to hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Dollars and Cents by North Main Financial. Dollars and Cents continues now. Here's your host, certified financial planner, Joshua Doby on 105.9, 100.7, WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second half of, of this week's Dollars and Cents show. And I got excited in the last segment there. I got to let you know that if you'd like to call in, uh, we would be happy to hear from you. If there's a particular subject on your mind, I'm not going to get into the specifics of your situation here on the air for the obvious reasons, but if there's something that you've seen news-wise or something that you'd like to make part of the conversation, can't promise that, but we'll do our very best to, uh, to integrate it here into the show. If you'd like to give the studio a buzz, please feel free to do that, 844-STUDIO. Four. So you wonder the numbers there because I'm the kind of person I'm not always as good about lining up the numbers and the letters on my phone. 844-788-3464. Again, that's 844-788-3464 here in the studio if there's a particular item, subject that you'd like for us to touch on here. All right, let's pivot. We're going to the second half here. And we talked about, uh, again, in the first half there, some of the things that we're seeing rate-wise. I think I'd be remiss, though, especially when we're looking at the calendar. Uh, and I know a lot of the kids, my, certainly my girl's not thrilled about this. They're already back at school. It's back to school time, right? I mean, we've got kids getting ready and school supplies and, and getting started. Like I said, my girls are already back. It's business as usual uh, at school. I know for others, especially uh, for uh, CMS, uh, for the public school in Mecklenburg County here, uh, they got a couple of weeks yet. But it's, it's definitely coming, ready or not. Teachers, administrators, they know it. Uh, kids maybe are, are going to squeeze out some more fun here in the last couple of weeks before they get back to school. But one of the, th the reason why I bring it up, A, because it, it is that time of the year, but B, 
it's important, as and this is a good time for us to, to, I think, be reminded of this, it's important that we share with kids and with grandkids about the importance of managing their finances well. And, and I say that because time and time again, we're, we're sitting with folks all the time at North Main Financial, and uh, you know, we're sitting with grandparents or we're sitting with parents and say, boy, would, would you mind just, just chatting with son or daughter, grandson, granddaughter, niece, nephew, all those good kinds of things, about some basics, about, about some kinds of things that, that they should keep in mind. And I'm thinking most especially right now of, uh, of our kids who are going back to college uh, or maybe going to college for the first time because it's, it's wide open. And I don't mean to say that to frighten you, but it's the first time for many of, uh, of our kids, first time that they're on their own, maybe making some decisions on their own from a financial standpoint, maybe paying for rent, or maybe they're, they're, they're getting their own food, or maybe doing their own laundry. Although somebody told me, there's a college where they do their laundry for you. I, I got to find out where that is. I know they used to do that at Davidson College. I'm not sure if they still do that, but I, I got to find, I, I, I'm just being lazy. I'd not, but that would be really nice. That wasn't true from my college experience, but, but they may be doing some things on their own. So when I'm talking about these kinds of things, certainly with clients at North Main Financial, but also uh, with their kids, with their grandkids, it, it's a challenge because there isn't a whole lot out there that prepares them in very explicit ways. If you search for it, you can find it. But in explicit ways for how do we balance a checkbook? Um, although, goodness, we don't, we don't have to. Bill, do we have checkbooks anymore? I think we do. Uh, I, I have a checkbook. That tells you how old I am. But, <laughs> but, but you know, how do we balance the ledger then? If it's all online, if it's all on your phone, how do we balance the ledger? How do we make sure that whatever income from whatever source that it is is matched up with, uh, with what our expenses are? Or how do we make decisions? If we're going to go uh, sign a lease for rent of an apartment, how do we decide that? How do we allocate how much money to spend on food, on entertainment? So big, big deal on budget kinds of things, but then also on the regular spend, right? You're at college. You're surrounded by all these people that want to do all these wonderful things all the time. Well, for most folks, they got to be mindful of, okay, this costs this much and I have this much to spend. What are my priorities or what are my financial priorities? So a couple of nuggets just to keep in mind here, especially if you have someone who's college age, especially if they're going away for the first time, uh, perhaps to college or, or, or doing something where they're moving out of the house for the first time, a couple of things to keep in mind. First, ju just encourage, make it simple. And truly, and it's not because kids are simple, but make it simple so that it's very easily remembered and very easily understood. I've seen some of these spreadsheets, and, and some folks really like them, and, and that's great. I'm a spreadsheet guy. I like spreadsheets. I like it for the analytical aspect of things. But for most folks, they're not thrilled about, especially an 18-year-old necessarily, looking at a bunch of spreadsheets. Some are. Most aren't, in my experience. Make it simple. Make it something that, that's very direct in terms of, okay, here's what uh, your budget or here's what your allowance is or here's what your income is from work or from other uh, kinds of sources. Be mindful of what your fixed expenses are and then what the possibilities are for your discretionary spend or for how you can choose beyond your fixed expenses. Break it down to something as simple as that and then hold them accountable. Hold them a cop, do a check-in on it, make sure that they're keeping to the agreement that you have or that they're keeping within their budget. And, and like I said, keep it small. Keep, keep it very focused on a month-to-month, week-to-week kind of basis because at least in my experience, that's how you have a higher probability of success. You get too complicated with it, you make it too big. If it's, and if it's, you know, if it's the frog into the proverbial uh, boiling water, Bill, metaphor number two, into the boiling water, then, then that's, 
that's probably not going to be as successful in my experience. Sometimes folks do. Sometimes folks pick it up and they run with it, but make it simple. That's the first point. Second point, as much as you can, encourage, encourage, encourage for kids, whether they have an allowance, whether they are uh, having a part-time job, whether, whether there's some other means of, of income for them, encourage them to spend less than they bring in. I know it sounds really elementary. I'll tell you folks, I've sat with literally thousands of folks in my 28 years in the investment management and financial planning business. I wish I could just share that, that kind of discipline with everybody because it's not as prevalent as you might think, the whole idea of spending less than you bring in. So, uh, so that's why I'm saying that. If we can get kids to get in that kind of habit, and again, make, make, it, make it simple, make it direct. You bring in $100, live on 60. I know, I, I, that makes me sound like an old curmudgeon there. But if you do that, you always have some amount, we'll talk about this, in an emergency fund, you always have some amount for those things which are unexpected. And there is a lot in life that is unexpected, both in positive and negative ways. So if we encourage that kind of discipline up front, we have greater possibilities for success for when they really are on their own, perhaps with a first job, perhaps with a big jump in their careers, whatever that may be from a financial standpoint. If we get that discipline in place now, it's a whole lot easier as the numbers get bigger. And uh, like I said, sat with literally thousands of folks here through the years. Doesn't exactly happen uh, that way across the board. Wish it did, wish everybody was, you know, but then we probably wouldn't have the concerns that we have from a debt standpoint. I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. From a debt standpoint, whether it's credit card debt, student loan debt, other kinds of things that, uh, that are out there that we can see uh, certainly on a macro level uh, across the country. So uh, those, the, the, the first big one, Make it simple. Second big one, live below your means. Third big one, it's all correlated. It's all tied together uh, in this thing. Encourage them to get a little emergency fund, a little savings. You heard me just use the quick example. If they're bringing in $100, spend 60 I know that may not be possible, especially because expenses can get can get high very quickly, whether it's for rent or living expenses, expenses associated with school. I'll, I completely understand that. But if it's possible, put, put aside a good chunk of that just into a savings account for which they have absolutely no need, meaning it, there's, there's nothing designated for it. It's not just being saved up to, to spend on a big trip or, or, or to, to spend on um, something online or a game, anything like that. Something literally designated for nothing. And in that way, again, you encourage that kind of discipline with a smaller number of dollars so that hopefully, as the dollars get larger then, they continue that same discipline. So it's, it's a big, if you can set up an emergency fund, it gives you that, and you hear me talk about this a lot, gives you that financial flexibility. If there's one thing that I could do in my almost three decades of doing this, if there's one thing that I could just automatically implant in everybody from a financial standpoint, it's financial flexibility. And that doesn't mean having a bazillion dollars, which I think is a technical term, bazillion. No, that's not true. There's no such thing as a bazillion. But, uh, but it, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter if you have gargantuan net worth or if you have a smaller net worth. Financial flexibility is the ability to choose things based upon what you desire, not based upon what you must. And that is a categorically different way of living. It's huge. We see it all the time. I had a meeting yesterday with a client. Uh, good guy. Works works hard. Uh, he's worked hard for his entire career, getting ready to uh, to retire here. Forty years of working and uh, getting ready to retire here at, uh, at at the end of the year. 
And, and, and boy, does he get this idea of living below means. He's done it his whole career. And now he's in a space where he's looking at the possibilities in retirement of even though he's not working because of how he has saved and invested and set aside and lived below means, paid off his mortgage, all those good kinds of things. Now he's looking at the opportunity in retirement because he did it consistently through the years where he's going to have the same income in retirement that he, did, that he does working. I mean, amazing kinds of stuff really is. But it's because of that discipline that he started very early on, where he's able to maintain from a cash flow standpoint, the same kind of uh, lifestyle financially in retirement that he did while he was working. Pretty awesome stuff. I wish for that. I wish for that for everybody. I wish everybody could have that. And again, it's not about just accumulating the largest number of dollars. It's a spread. It's a spread between the overhead and your ability to produce income, either earned or passive, in that means of things. And the larger the spread, the more financial flexibility that you have. So big, big deal. That's what, you know, We're talking about kids going back to college. Obviously, I, I pivoted there to, uh, to retirement. But when we're looking at those kinds of things for kids, if we can start those kinds of things early. And friends, like I said, make it simple. Make it something that's easily attainable. Incentivize them as well. You can even say if you put $10 in your savings, kind of match it uh, dollar for dollar. I mean, who doesn't like that? I, I, I'd like that idea. I'm going to have to ask Justin about that. Maybe he'll do that for me. But, uh, but quite seriously, it, it is a, a great opportunity as kids are going back to school, perhaps they're getting away for the first time, to have that kind of conversation with them because you start well. If you start well, you just increase geometrically your possibilities for success. And like I said, I've been doing this long enough that I'm certain in what I'm saying. It doesn't mean that you can't pivot later in life. There are all kinds of ways to do that. But certainly if you start well, you increase your possibilities for that financial success, for that financial flexibility, which at least in my opinion is one of the best items to have. Hang with us here as we get ready for the fourth quarter, Dollars and Cents by North Main Financial. Call now to speak with certified financial planner Joshua Doby at 844-STUDIO-4. It's dollars and cents on WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much. We're in the fourth quarter football reference there. Thank you so much for, for hanging with us here. And as I was listening to, uh, to some of the commercials there and I heard Joe Berg a little while ago, I was reminded... Panthers playing tomorrow night. Now, I know this is not particularly financial unless you bet money on the game. I'm looking forward to it. I'm especially looking forward to hopefully a little bit of a better performance. So I just want to put that in there. Let's go, Panthers. Uh, I, want, uh, I, want, I want to see something a lot better. Got new coach. We got a lot of new players. Uh, first number one draft pick. First round number one. Uh, big deal. I know it's you know, just the first uh, the first. Uh, preseason game. Tomorrow's the second one. Still excited about it. Hoping for good things there. So, all right. You'd like to give us a call here in the studio. I want to make sure that you're aware of this. We're just, we just started doing this kind of thing. So, uh, let, always know that if you'd like to give us a buzz here in the studio, a particular subject, maybe something that's hitting the headlines. We, we get a lot of those kinds of questions. Hey, I saw this. Does this meaningful? Is this something that we have to watch? Does it, and most importantly, does it impact us? Should we make decisions differently? Always happy to hear that kind of stuff. Can't promise we're going to squeeze it in. We got a lot of material, but I'll definitely will do my best here. 844-STUDIO-4. Again, 844-STUDIO-4 is the phone number here. 844-788-3464. One more time, 844-788-3464. 
3464. I'm so glad that in the studio here, we have a number that really goes together. And when I say goes together, it's only because I'm a numbers and math guy, but it just rolls so nice and easy off the tongue. We got these two doubles with 844 and then 788 and then 3464. So it's kind of, anyhow, I know, you, that probably, you're probably just rolling your eyes. That's okay. I think it's, uh, again, good. Call us if you'd like, 844-788-3464. Fourth quarter here, football reference. Fourth quarter here talking about the kinds of things that uh, we're seeing now, and we're going to pivot here, I promised you I would, into the market uh, right now. We're seeing a little bit of a breather. Uh, in the market. And, and I say that really relative to the kinds of things that have been red hot for most of the year. We, we've talked about that. We anticipated it. It's, and it's not because I have some you know, li literal metaphorical crystal ball of any kind or uh, no, it, it's not that. It's just when things run, you've heard me say this, you run above the mean for a while, you're going to run below the mean for a while to make the mean or the average. All right. We're not there yet. We're certainly not in a space where we've had significant pullback, but some of the things that have been red hot here over the first half of the year, almost now three quarters of the year, definitely are taking a breather. I'm looking at the technology sector, biotech sector, those more aggressive kinds of investments that, that we see out there. Again, not, not to a negative space, just taking a breather. Just you know, They moved almost parabolically for, for the first half of the year. And I'm using that in general terms, not every technology company did, but certainly from a sector standpoint, a lot of things moving parabolically. I mean, very common to see things that increase 20, 30, 40, 50%, even more uh, than that over the course of, of six, seven months. That's unnatural. I like it too, right? If, I mean, if you own those kinds of things and you're long in the market, if you're short in the market, miserable kind of experience. But if you're long in the market, like most folks are inside of their 401ks or inside of their portfolio, yeah, enjoyable if you own that kind of thing to see it, but also not sustainable. And that's really what we're seeing in the market right now. We're starting to see uh, some things where, where we're pulling back, even up to today's market before I got on the air here, uh, was, was selling off uh, pretty much across the board. And so kind of interesting to, uh, to see that kind of thing. Um, and, and then with, you know, with, with the market, with, with that kind of pullback, does that mean we need to do things differently? Not necessarily. Everybody's situation is unique. You know that. You know from being a previous listener here on Dollars and Cents, I, I, I don't move based upon what the day does. I don't make decisions based upon what just a couple of ticks in one direction or, or another, whether positive or negative. Everybody's situation is unique. You want to make sure that you're evaluating your own space. However, it's good to keep in mind that things that run above the average at a certain point probably going to run below the average for a little bit. So kind of keep that on your radar screen. Want to want to pivot here just for a quick moment, looking at uh, specifically the pharma industry. And, and I'm saying this because we've had a lot of conversations with folks on the on the financial side of things, but sometimes it blends over. And I'm I'm going to broadly uh, encapsulate this into uh, a very Brief, uh, because we're going to look at it just from the financial standpoint, but a very brief look at the obesity drug market. Now, when, when I'm saying that, this is, like as I said, this is very brief. It's not going to be comprehensive, but it's hitting a lot of radar screens in my end of the world, A, because of their overwhelming popularity uh, right now, especially here in the States, overwhelming popularity. And then more specifically, the companies that are involved with them, that's my end of the world. You know, those companies which are uh, at the forefront from a volume standpoint in terms of supplying uh, obesity related drugs. I'm looking at Novo Nordisk. I'm looking at Eli Lilly, uh, the, the two big pharmaceutical, two of the biggest pharmaceutical giants out there who have some of the most popular ones uh, that are out there. This is not for me to talk for against those kinds of things. That's not what we're doing. I'm really talking about it from a financial standpoint. And also, as we see happen often, we're starting to see fakes 
in the market, meaning that because those kinds of things are so, so popular right now, we're starting to see fakes in the market from companies that nobody knows. So it's not Eli Lilly, it's not Novo Nordisk, but, but companies that nobody knows that are, that are trying to get into that market. And, and so I would just at first raise a word of caution because you're, go you're gonna see a lot of fakes. You're gonna see a lot of uh, companies that are trying to mimic the kinds of success points that uh, the obesity drug market has certainly had here. Let's say over the last 18 months, two years. Uh, not that these things weren't out there before that, but certainly not at the popularity level in, in my observational experience that we're seeing right now. So I've had a lot of conversations with folks with these tiny companies, not even going to mention them, but these tiny companies, sometimes that you know, sometimes you really can't figure out a whole lot about them, but that are starting to offer up, let, let me say, um, duplicates, mimics, almost uh, tr trying to, again, trying to get into the market that is just explosive in terms of the number of folks who are using these kinds of things. So again, just a word of caution. Uh, yes, from a medical standpoint, but I am certainly not a doctor. I'm really talking about from a financial standpoint, because I've had a lot of conversations with folks, well, maybe this, you know, this might be the next one in the obesity drug market. This company is coming out with something. Maybe, 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 maybe all of that is possible. And yes, in terms of being able to, to get the highest level of return possibility, uh, yes, to be there, quote, before anybody else uh, is, is a possibility. There are two sides of that mountain. I think you know that there is the possibility that something may take off and there's the possibility that it just disappears and is never seen from again. So that's why I'm saying high risk, high, very high risk, both in a positive and negative direction in terms of probability and possibility. So just raising that out there for you to keep that on your radar screen because we got a lot of questions uh, on that end of things. And again, not recommending Novo Nordisk, not recommending Eli Lilly to buy, hold, or sell, nothing like that. They just have to be two of the biggest that are out there, again, in that obesity drug market. So keep that, again, on the proverbial radar screen. Second big one that that uh, that we're seeing out there, it, well, it, it's it's very situationally specific, and unfortunately, it's with regards to the tragedy uh, in Hawaii uh, with the wildfires, and uh, and we're watching right now, and again, not speaking to the tragedy itself, but really watching Hawaiian Electric, the number one electric supplier uh, in Hawaii, their stocks down over fifty percent in a week, and and in part because there is some question about liability for Hawaiian Electric with regards to the wildfires. This is not for me to speak to the legal aspect or anything like that. Just an observational point that, uh, that a Hawaiian electric is under a severe amount of sell pressure in the market because of some question about the, uh, their legal uh, exposure because of the wildfires. Now, in part, the market is looking at the experience of the California wildfires here several years ago and where there was likewise, I think it was um, Pacific, Pacific Electric, Pacific Gas and Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E, and uh, and they had significant exposure from a legal standpoint, and uh, at certain point for certain segments of their business needed to stop altogether in terms of supply. So I think there's some concern about that kind of thing, some concern about whether that may be the case for Hawaiian Electric there. We're watching it. It's on our radar screen. We'll see how that plays out. I wanted to raise that also to uh, to your attention. What does that mean now? So here we are, uh, as of the time of this live broadcast, as of the time of this recording, here we are now uh, getting to the mid to late parts of August. Uh, you get you give me another six weeks, we're going to be at the end of the quarter, believe it or not. Uh, I mean, that, that's just hard to believe. Quarter three. 
Uh, we're halfway through it. My goodness. But looking to, not only through this quarter, but through the balance of the year, what are the kinds of things that you should keep in mind? Well, I mentioned one of them. Uh, definitely want to keep in mind the possibility that, uh, that we may have some additional pullback in the market. There's a sense in which that's always true. There, that's, that's not just you know, based upon where the market has moved right now. There's a sense in which you always need to be prepared for that. Certainly from a planning standpoint, you always need to be prepared for that. But certainly in the more aggressive ends of the market, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more pullback. Federal Reserve uh, may raise rates again. We're going to see what happens in September, uh, especially with regards to the data that we have uh, in front of us and in the resiliency, frankly, of, of the overall economy. Uh, that That's counteracting what's uh, what's in the mix there. One of the big items on, on my radar screen, and, and this is, is something I've shared with you previously, and I bumped into it a little bit with the, uh, with the financing cost mortgage discussion earlier in today's Dollars and Cents show, and that has to do with commercial real estate, especially in our very large urban centers. I'm looking at the big ones, New York, San Francisco, Miami, Chicago, Los Angeles, you know, our, our massive urban centers that have millions of square feet of, uh, of Class A office space. I'm watching that closely as well, uh, because you know, what is the resilience for those owners, uh, especially as tenants have dropped. I'm, I'm looking at San Francisco. It was just out there recently. Lots of empty space. Lots of empty space out there. And that that doesn't. That's not doom and gloom. It's just it's just a fact for right now. Does that mean that it can't come back? Of course not. Not saying that at all. But for right now, there's a lot of empty space out there. So what does that mean in terms of the resiliency of those properties and property values? We're watching that, uh, and uh, especially as we're going here into the next several months of uh, of the year. But at the, I want to leave you with this idea, and and it's it's interesting. I mean, every time I say this, it's it sounds incredibly elementary for me to say it out loud, but it's you look at uh, the masses' behavior, and it's like we don't know it. If something has gone up a lot so the first half of this year, please don't think that it's automatically going to go up that same amount for the rest of the year. But we do think that way. We like to buy high. Be careful about that. Be careful about that as you're looking at your overall portfolio. All right, fast, fast recap here as we're approaching the end of our time together here on Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. Took a look at you know the kinds of things that, that are around us, interest rate-wise, inflation now, uh, the companies that are out there that are reporting. Keep those on your radar screen. It's going to get a little quiet here for a couple of uh, weeks. Make sure that you pay attention, though, especially as we start to hear companies that are prognosticating about what may be in for the balance of the year. Talked about mortgages as well. Definitely keep that on your radar screen if you're going to be looking at financing and uh, and where we expect rates. And then finally for uh, the balance of the year, which ready or not, shoot, we're going to be here at, uh, uh, at, at Labor Day before you know it. Make decisions, but always do so for the right reasons. Friends, it has been a pleasure to be with you here on Dollars and Cents. Until the next time, I'll look forward to talking with you soon.